0: Welcome to another edition of the Weekly Angry Quarterbacks Podcast from the James Rapine Memorial Studios. I'm Richard Skinner from Local 12 and Local12.com with the real quarterback Tony Pike of Reading High School, UC, and Carolina Panthers fame. We've got a lot to get to, NFL, and the Bengals. Some college football where you see survives and advances towards maybe a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, We'll see how the college football playoff rankings may shake down. They come down this evening as we do this on a Tuesday morning. And high school football, as we get to the regional finals in both Kentucky and Ohio, the final Indiana team, unfortunately, Lawrenceburg going out this past weekend in its regional championship game, losing to uh, an undefeated team, 22 to nothing, something along those lines. So unfortunately, a great season for Lawrenceburg comes to a close. But let's start with the NFL and the Bengals. Couple of they're doing four segments. Well, they're kind of NFL and then w- Bengals. We, we kind of weave them to, we weave them together. Let, let, let's start with the Bengals and let's start with your position group, Brian Finley. What have you seen right. from him in two games? Good and bad and, and, and being fair at the same time, doing it with the eye of I know what he's dealing, you know the hand he's dealing yeah. with. So what what do you think so far?
1: I just I I don't he's not a starting quarterback no, in the NFL. I would agree. Um maybe a, a certified backup. Uh, but I look at where Ryan Finley had his success, it was the preseason. And preseason, there's not exotic defenses, there's not exotic looks. Defensive coaches want their players to have to make plays. So they put them in difficult situations. Ryan Finley looked great in the preseason. Um, I know I thought working minicamp, things like that, that I was more impressed with Dolagala at times. Now, Finley played well in the preseason. And then they almost give him a little bit of a pass last week against the Ravens because it's like, okay, that's the Ravens. They're doing it to everybody right now. But there were things that you didn't want to see. Staring down receivers late to throws. The accuracy, I thought, was a little bit of an issue. And then watching Sunday against the Raiders, um, not a a good pass defensive team in Oakland um, that looked like an all-world team.
0: I mean, they dropped two pick-sixes. Yeah.
1: I I look, for the second game in a row, you lose a fumble and you throw an interception. Can't make a, a living doing that in the NFL. And then just watching the arm strength just isn't there. He's not able to let it loose and fit it in a tight window. He's not able to make um, the you know the elite Aaron Rodgers type of throw where you're going back across the field and you're fitting into a small window. He's yeah, the, not the able elite to Aaron Rodgers
0: throw was the Damian Willis fourth down throw. Right. Those, those guys like you make, have to that make that throw. Place.
1: Yeah. Um, I look at a guy still struggling with reads. I know he's still young. Uh, but I looked at a guy, um, to C.J. Uzama himself, three or four passes – not even close to
0: being. He made two catches on back-to-back right. plays. C.J. Uzama for four yards total. And there were, there were two. Passes. There were two great. Two of the greatest catches yes. you see all season. So I saw. And they netted you four yards.
1: I saw ten yards and under passes that were inaccurate, that had the wrong velocity, that were landed in the wrong spot. That type of stuff isn't game to game. He's still a young guy. That is, we have to question if he is capable of being. A starting quarterback in this league, and, and after seeing 13 to 31 for 115 yards against that defense, I, I don't think that's the answer.
0: Now, uh, Zach Taylor was asked at his Monday press conference about the starting quarterback spot, and I thought he was very non committal this time around with Ryan Finley, yeah. saying he's our starting quarterback this week against Pittsburgh. I'm not looking beyond that. And he didn't mean he wasn't looking beyond that from a quarterback position. I think that he just meant in general, yeah. I'm not looking beyond Pittsburgh. But I also think it left the door ajar. That we may see Andy Dalton again this season, and is there anything like wrong with Gala. it? Or, or well, I, I think you go back to Andy. Yeah. I, I do. I, I really I mean maybe you get dolagala the last game, something like yeah. that. Would you? Would it be the right thing to do to go back to Andy? Or have you lost him? Maybe mentally and emotionally. Now he's a pros pro, and I love a lot of things about Andy, and I think he would, he would buckle down and yeah. get back to preparing. You know, a thousand percent to be the starter. All of those things, but. Can you can you go back to Andy at this stage, I this think, year? I think you can because I think Dalton would take it as
1: a chance to make more money. I think he would take it as a chance to show, okay. This wasn't this just is, me. This is a bad team. You've seen now with the Ryan Finley situation, it wasn't the quarterback position. And then go in and put up good numbers, and you're going to raise your stock anyway for what you're trying to do or if right. the Bengals are trying to move you. Um, the The question for me, and I think this goes into the locker room, is that you hear – all the coaches say we're trying to win, and the players hear that, but yeah, the players watch what happens. But are you putting the Sunday? best players Correct. on the field Correct. at all times? So I think if you're if you're saying that you're playing to win, I think if Andy Dalton's a quarterback Sunday, they win that game. I do too. And 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 I I think it changes what Paul Gunther's able to do. I think they can go to mixing a little more. I think they obviously use Tyler Boyd more, who kind of voiced his frustration. But you can't on one end say, hey, we are. We're trying to win now. It's not about tanking. We want to win games in the National Football League, but then at the other end not play the guys that could get those wins. So I've seen Ryan Finley for two games. I know what Andy Dalton is. If you're trying to win, then Andy Dalton's your quarterback. Agreed. So it, Agreed. they're they're pitching two different things, and I think, again, that creates a little bit more of that rift that we've talked about in the locker room, and, and I think you saw it for the first time against Baltimore. Tyler Boyd now voicing frustrations. As you continue to lose and you find different ways to lose, that, that rip is going to part ways even wider. And then you're going to be facing a split locker room. And to this point, everyone raves. Well, Zach Taylor's done a great job of keeping and I think it he together. Has, and I, I think the players, right. And
0: to the players' credit, I think they've done some of that on yeah, their own.
1: But at 0-10. It and, starts to wear. And And now players... Again, at zero ten, you made. You
0: made the, I like your comment from last week. They've they've had different meat shields. Yeah. So I think even for players, even those that maybe didn't believe completely that Ryan was the guy, I think for right. them even it was maybe. All okay, right, I love this. Andy, yeah. but let's see this, and they all voice support Something of different. it. Something different, yeah. And then after you see it for a couple of games, you probably as a as a veteran go, all right, we gave the kid a shot, right. man. Hey, I, we know what Andy can do, man. We right. we know at least he gives us a better chance than the kid does. Like let's let's go there. At,
1: at the end of the day." This is now your livelihood in the NFL. This isn't college football where you're on scholarship and you can come back and you're on scholarship next year. A lot of these guys, this is your opportunity. And when you start messing with guys' livelihood and their money by putting bad things out there on the field, mm-hmm. that's where you start to lose the locker room. And I think that's where you started to see that with the A.J. Green situation. Hey, I want to be here, make it happen. seems like the two sides were far apart. He didn't want to be franchise tag. So now A.J. Green sees it as okay, now you're, you're coming at my livelihood now. I don't, I'm, I'm not on board with that. No, right. And now you're seeing players, Tyler Boyd, trying to make a living, trying to say, okay, I want to get 1,000 yards. I want to do this. And he's targeted three times. Joe Mixon, 15 carries. You know, the, the different guys that could get an opportunity that aren't getting an opportunity because whether it's the offensive scheme or the quarterback not spreading the ball around or what, but that is a, a big part going forward of now these guys to put their foot in the ground and say, wait a second. What, what, what are we doing? This is my job. This is my life. And we're throwing this away like this. So, I, again, I, I've said it for the last couple of weeks. Until they get a win, it's going to continue to no, get worse. No doubt. We thought the Baltimore was rock bottom, and then they find a way to lose against the Raiders. And now it feels like rock bottom. So, it's going to continue that way until you find a way.
0: All right, the Cordy Glenn situation, I think everybody's put it sight out of, or, or, or out of their mind, I guess. Sight unseen, for lack of a better Not term. unless you watch John Jerry. <laughs> no, that's, that's Holy a Holy cow. So that kind of ties into this. Cordy Glenn on Sunday was a healthy scratch. That was a DNP coach's decision. Mm -hmm. It's not concussion any longer. It hasn't been concussion for a long time. Everybody needs to understand this is, and this is. I want this to be. I'm not blaming Zach Taylor or the Bengals organization for the way they're handling Cordy Glenn right now. Right. But you've decided that Cordy Glenn's attitude, and I get the attitude is why you're not playing him right now. And I know there's other things involved to this, and he's probably going to be gone here before long, and they're probably going to recoup some of the money, and that's why he's not playing. But if you go back to what you said about putting the best players on the field, Mm -hmm. Cody Glenn is a starting left tackle in this league. We can argue the level of quality of starting left tackle, but he's at least a capable starting left tackle, something that John Jerry is not. John Jerry is a complete stopgap throw a guy out there because yeah. we need a body playing left tackle, left tackle. He wasn't in the NFL last year right. for a reason. Right, and you can see it. So what does that, what message, I, and I know we're all we're all playing games here to a large degree because Cordy's put you in this bind, but you're now at the stage of you're the Bengals, and, and I this is going to come down to lawyers is what it's going to come down yeah. to, and the Bengals have a bunch of those in the front office, and that's why Cordy's not playing. But on the surface when you see it as a fan or even as a media, or anybody, hmm the, the cut to the chase was, Cordy Glenn on Sunday was a healthy scratch. Right. He practiced full all three days last week. He is no longer listed with a concussion designation. Yep. And he doesn't play. So you you go back to putting the best players on the field. Are you still doing that? Or now we have another front office mix-up, mess-up, mess, mess oh, up, yeah. mishap, all of those things, and a player who's put you in this bind, that we are now sitting in a situation where, could you have gotten something for Cordy Glenn at the trade deadline?
1: I don't care if at this point if it was a seventh-round I don't either.
0: Because at this point— Because uh, at this point, then, if he's healthy and, and, we're, and we're trying to just save some dollars because of right. the grievance, what, what, are, what are we what, are, what is everybody doing here?
1: Well, it goes back to what this team and, and, and this locker room feel. Imagine the locker room when guys are out there playing hurt. And I know guys play hurt. But imagine that guy playing hurt and in there for treatment, and you look across and you see Cordy Glenn. And he practices. I guarantee Cordy Glenn's not watching any extra film during the week. No. I guarantee as soon as he can be out of there, he's out of
0: there. No, he's playing scout team left tackle is what he's playing right right now. Making a good amount of money. He's making $9 million plus this year. Divide that by 16 game
1: checks, Tony. While he heads heads home and he checks and, okay, check cleared this week. Good to go for another week. He has essentially held this team hostage because he said, well, I'm Basically, not playing.
0: Because the front office, again, didn't do its due diligence right. on the guy. Right. So, didn't
1: vet him enough. And again, so we've talked about now, you made the move to Cordy Glenn. You re up Preston Brown. These are all moves in the front office that you're like, well, well wait a second. What, what are
0: we doing? And now, again, talk about locker right room. Right now, the draft looks like an unmitigated disaster. Yeah. Yes. Your second round pick is barely played. Now he's unfortunately hurt. Your first yep. round pick, we're going to give them a pass. I think that's in fairness. Mm-hmm. I mean, can't give him anything but a pass. The guy got hurt. Your third-round pick, Jermaine Pratt, he is playing extended snaps, and he's he has a flash here and there, but for the most part, he is not proven to be a, a playmaker. Michael Jordan got beat out pretty quickly at as, yep. as, as a guard. They they love his upside, and I do too, I guess. Now Ryan Finley who's another fourth-round pick, is is not showing you much. So another draft that's come and gone, and looks like a bunch of wasted picks. Other than maybe Jonah Williams, and I'm yep. holding out hope that he's not going to be. Um, so so yeah, what are we doing here? Well, they- the interesting
1: side is is that Cordy Glenn being in the locker room makes this team worse. It creates more of that rift in the locker room. I watched the San Francisco 49ers Sunday, scored four touchdowns in the game. All four touchdowns were scored by undrafted free agents wow. from 17 and 18. That's, that's incredible. You know what that's called? A scouting no, department. That's great. So, again, with everything that we do on this show, we start with the team, and then it winds up back to the, the front office. Yeah, it does. And, and, it, and it's crazy how that works. But again, look what Zach Taylor has had on his plate this year. And, and at some point, let's be fair. At some point, if we're evaluating talent, we need to evaluate coaches' talent. What is Brian Callahan doing on this team right now? Don't know. Offensive coordinator, but he doesn't call plays. Zach Taylor does that. Would you say Zach Taylor is successfully calling plays right now? I don't think so. I don't think so. So, why wouldn't Brian Callahan get a chance? Forgiven Ryan – let's say – Okay, Brian Cowley, we need to see what we have in our offensive coordinator. Because here's what we see. Again, three weeks ago, we mentioned on this show. Now, in
0: fairness, Eric Bieniemy is also the Chiefs offensive coordinator, and Andy right. Reid does call plays. Right. But I know what you're saying.
1: But but you see more. I mean, you see B is active during that. Yes. You don't really see much of, of Brian Cowley. Yeah, Brian's here. upstairs. Yeah. So, yeah. So, w- what we see now, watching the game on TV Sunday, it was refreshing. They showed a man in an Oakland press box, and they put general manager under it. Huh. So, they have a general manager that seems to have pulled a lot of the right strings. People killed him for Khalil Mack. All of a sudden, that turned into Josh Jacobs. Yeah. And that pick... that's going to come next year with Chicago struggling is going to be even higher. Yeah.
0: And Cleveland Farrell starts. Yes. Um Jonathan Abram looked like he was going to he only played a handful of stats before he got hurt and got lost for right. the season. He looked like a wrecker of a safety. Yep. Uh Max Crosby. Uh yep. Foster Moreau was a fifth-round draft pick. He had four caught a sacks. touchdown. I mean, they're, they're almost their whole draft class yeah. has not just produced, but wildly produced. Hunter Renfro was a yep. fifth-round pick. So I see that. They traded for Tyrell Williams.
1: <laughs> traded for Tyrell Williams. So I watch all of that. And, I, and they, they revamped their offensive line, too. Don't be mistaken by that. So I watch all of that. And then I watched three weeks ago, and you and I talked about this the time it happened. Arthur Blank comes down in the locker room and, and talks to the team. And he talks to the media. He says, this is the direction. I'm not standing for this. What have the Atlanta Falcons done the last two weeks? On the road at New Orleans, dominated. On the road at Carolina, dominated. dominated. Direction, playing for something. Watch Carolina's owner this morning um, come out and say, look – we will not settle to be a mediocre team. Something is going to change. So I see owners doing it. I see, I see GMs doing it. And then I look at us, and, and I sit here and I say, you know, at 0-10. And, and the
0: only person speaking towards it is Zach, Zach, Zach Taylor. Taylor.
1: Right. And I, and I say, at 0-10, will there be a voice from now? Until the end of the season, other than Zach Taylor, will the we hear from no. Duke Tobin? Will we hear from? No, Mike I've, I've
0: asked for. I I have literally put a formal written request to right. speak to
1: Duke. And Tobin. if the answer is no, then that is that right there is the problem. How, if the answer to that is no, can we expect that they're going to change something in free agency? How do we expect they're going to trade away the correct parts? How do we expect that they're going to scout and draft the correct way a- and when we change can't do philosophy it in the in free yes. agency, all of those correct.
0: Things. And maybe hire the next coach when the time comes. Right. Put a GM in place. Right, there, there are a handful of fans in the town pointing the finger of blame directly at Zach Taylor. And and look, I was one that was critical of the hire just because mm-hmm. it didn't feel right. You're hiring a, a quarterback coach with minimal experience to a head coach. And, and at this point, it does look like he's over his head. But in, in for those that, that think that he is the sole cause for 0-10, wake up. Yep. Just honestly, wake up. He is he is partial, but it goes back to the whole, and I think you've asked me the question, is it time to look at the different defensive coordinators? All I can tell you is they've had three in the last whatever games, and and right. at some points it's the personnel. So, we are really in a, we are in, I'm not so sure we're not in a worse rut than the 90s. I really am not yeah. sure we're not in a worse
1: rut. Skinny, it's the same personnel department that after last season decided to say, you know what? Let's re-sign Preston Brown. Old you know what? 4-3 middle linebacker. You know what? Let's bring back Bobby Hart. That's the same personnel department that did that. The same personnel department that said, This is it, yeah, get Cordy Glenn, make the move. Draft Billy Price. The same personnel department that did all of that. That that to me is the issue. The fact that we've talked at length this year. Why is Zach Taylor, a first year head coach in his thirties, not a lot of experience, having to deal with total BS like the Cordy Glenn situation, like the trade rumors, like the, AJ Green, like the A.J. Green situation, why is someone else not making those calls? Why is someone not someone not taking something off the plate of this coaching staff? Because all it is, it adds up every week, and now I think you see that in games. I think you see the frustration. Look, I'm 33. There's players in that Bengal locker room that are in their mid-30s or the same age as Zach Taylor. If you're 0-10 and, and you're listening to your coach... And you're 0-10. Do you still kind of, do you at some point kind of say, Well, what wait a second? Am I am I really buying into this? So now you're gonna take a chance of losing the locker room. And then being again, like we've said, the meat shield to all of this. And you really can't get that back, can right. you? No. No, not at that point. Because they're gonna say, Okay, what has this guy done? Now you got Tyler Boyd, I only got three touches. Does Zach Taylor really know what he's doing? You got AJ Green, you got you got people on this team that listen to Zach Taylor. AJ Green's good. Why is an AJ Green back. Is, does he really know? Can Zach Taylor not handle this Cordy Glenn situation? That's what players start to ask.
0: Yeah, as opposed those, as opposed to the deflection of Zach saying, "Listen, this is out of my hands, guys." this And it is to a large degree. Right. But, but if it's out of your but hands, the hands it. that it should be in should be the ones out front talking about some of right. this stuff. But then Saying that, listen, we're not going to franchise tag AJ. Right. Or, hey, we're trying to negotiate in good faith, and the guy's side, he won't come, He won't meet, he's wanting Julio Jones money. We don't feel that, that that's the right, right money. And you know what, if I hear that as a fan, I may even say, hey, I get that, I love yeah. AJ Green too, but if he's asking for Julio Jones money, well, man, he's been hurt a bunch, I don't think he deserves he deserves a chunk, but so yeah. we don't know where any of that stands. Right,
1: but as a fan, you would respect because then it's not, okay, maybe that's not all Zach Taylor. Because right now, as a, as a player, you sit there and you say, man, look, our team is terrible. We made no moves at the trade deadline. So right now, who do the players look to for that? Not the front office. Zach Taylor was the one talking about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Why isn't Zach Taylor, why not our coach doing anything? Why isn't our coach doing this? So you start to lose those guys, and now, as we've seen in the last day, Tyler Boyd's frustrated. A.J. Green's frustrated. Cordy Glenn's a mess. Andy Dalton's frustrated. All that stuff happens. Well, who do the players think to point to right away? The head Scott coach. Taylor. Yeah. Not, well, what, what, what's Mike Brown doing? What, what's Duke Tobin doing? So, you start to lose those guys. And then again, when things start to go bad, how much do you want to fight for a coach like that?
0: How much do you want to push on in something like that? No, it's, that's fair. Uh, let's take a quick talk of the NFL. We talked a lot of Bengals there yeah. for some reason. But uh, we, we always yeah, cover a lot doing? of ground. Yeah. Um,
1: but the ravens.
0: Yeah, we're we're starting to get more and more of that territory where they look like the clear-cut team well, in the AFC. Right now the the Patriots to their credit, that was a good win. Down 10 nothing at Philly. Philly a desperate yeah. team playing better yeah. um, you know, fighting for a division that that seems winnable, uh, even though Dallas won, you know, they they haven't separated themselves and they found a way to win, but they look like there are some chinks in the armor a little bit. And maybe I, that's just what the Patriots do. I hate
1: saying it. I feel like I've said it so many times that it feels like Brady's nearing the end. Um, but watching him in that in that game Sunday was not pretty, and it wasn't pretty on the other side of the ball either. Carson Wentz was bad. Bad. I mean, missing open receivers really bad. Well,
0: that's the funny part. As much as is, listen, the whole Philly thing was they were able to draft the rookie quarterback, build around him. Then he obviously got hurt, right. and in comes Nick Foles, and he wins the Super Bowl. As much as it was, well, the, look at the Rams. They built around Jared Goff, and and yep. uh, you know they were able to to do some things. As much as the Bears, that we built around Mitch Trubisky. How are those quarterbacks doing all right. of a sudden? Those those guys that look like were, were you have they to were hit the home runs. I, I'm not sure anybody has though. That's just it. Other than Pat Mahomes, and Lamar, and Lamar yeah. was was one that everybody in the league but one team passed on. I and, think I think to a point
1: Watson can be that guy, but he, yeah. his offensive line yeah. is so yeah, bad he, right now. I mean, he got sacked what six times yeah. in the first half, I, mean, I think. It, first it, yeah. half alone. But I think he's a guy that can elevate. But um, not. But when I when I look at what the the Ravens have done first they avoided looking past the Patriots to the
0: Bengals. They did. That was, that was genius. And then... Bounced they, back from such an emotionally high they, victory yeah. over the Bengals. And then they
1: bounced back from the emotional... But look at the Ravens. The last three weeks, take out the Bengals game, they dominated in many ways the number 1 seed in the AFC, and they dismantled the number 3 seed in the AFC. That's a good point. So... I
0: don't know that. And the week before the week before the Patriots game went to Seattle and dismantled Seattle, which has only two losses. Now Seattle has some flaws, right? But Seattle is also eight and two. So they, so that's it's funny you say that. So at Seattle, Mm -hmm. eight and two team, Patriots handed them their first loss. Uh, Bengals game did what you should do to a bad team, right? You dominated them. Texans, which are a playoff level team, they're the third seed. Holy Toledo! Yeah, what they've done,
1: um, they lost a shootout to Cleveland, and they lost to the Chiefs. Okay, and I'm not sure if they play the Chiefs right now, they're not better because the Chiefs have have all kinds of problems going on. Right. So, to me, right now, the Ravens are the team to beat in the AFC. I think they are, too. I mean, they're gaining confidence on defense. Marcus Peters has fit in. Earl Thomas has fit in. How'd they get Marcus Peters? Do you remember? There's a thing in the NFL now. um, In season, you can trade. Oh, I— you did they they like baseball? You mean so you can take one of your players, trade them to another team, and get, one of another their team players. and get one of their players, or you can move like draft picks and things like that. I'll be damned! I was wondering how they got yeah. that guy because he's really good. He's a good player. Yeah, he is really good. Marcus Peters is a good player. Um, Earl for Thomas. Those wondering. Yes,
0: we do know there was a trade deadline.
1: Okay, Earl sure Thomas whatever. is a good player. Earl Thomas is a good player. Um, and we we've talked at length the three tight end system: Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, who you saw his value on Sunday. Oh my gosh, he was um, he was destructive. They get Marquise Brown. the... the they throw the ball over, and it's not like they're just a one-back team. They have multiple back. Gus on Edwards team. had a big run. Gus Edwards had 115 yeah. yards. Lamar Jackson had a near highlight reel Bengals type of run against that Texans defense. And again, we say it week after week. He doesn't take bad hits. I watched. I watched Deshaun Watson. Get his ankle rolled up on. Uh, well, I watched Deshaun Watson take bad hits. I watched quarterbacks take hits. I, don't I, I was
0: I was watching that. I was in in the press box in Oakland, and that the red zone channel yep. was above me, and I would occasionally peek up. I watched the Deshaun Watson one. I thought it was his knee initially, the way yeah. it buckled. Yep. And I thought, oh my gosh, I, I still don't know how he bounced back from that. But you're right. Yeah. I mean, but, but Lamar way, doesn't Lamar yeah, doesn't take those the hits. Way he moves, I don't. He protects himself. And now, as a passer, he's
1: changing his arm angle. He's finding it still small does. windows. You got it. it still doesn't look mechanically great. Mechanically, does it? it doesn't. But but the the passes he's completing, I mean, the, the, the touchdown to Andrews is it's a small great throw, great throw. window throw. No, the first throw. touchdown is a small window throw that he's making. I mean, I get like, okay, the, the Mark Ingram touchdown, wide open, Ingram makes a guy miss. Yeah. That's great. But he also hit Mark Ingram at, at the perfect spot right. where he could catch it and turn up field, Catch and too. run. Yeah. Not behind him. Not where Mark Ingram, like we saw C.J. Uzama, has got a pirouette and dive and And tip the ball and catch it just because it's behind them. I've I've been impressed with them, and and I think they're the team to beat in the AFC. I would agree with you. All
0: right, when we continue, we'll talk some college football. we still got some high school football ahead. It's the weekly Angry Quarterbacks podcast. I'm Richard Skinner. He's Tony Pike, and we broadcast live from the James Rapine Memorial Studios at ESP Media.
2: Get the skinny on Cincinnati sports with Richard Skinner only on local 12.com and the local 12 news app exclusive content in depth analysis podcasts and more Cincinnati sports news 24 seven get the skinny only on local 12.com and the local 12 news app. Are you looking to produce your own podcast ESP media has state of the art audio and video production studios available for you. Our studio rental rates are the most competitive in town. Contact us today at sales at ESPmediaSN.com or 513-655-4966. That's 513-655-4966. It's your podcast. We just produce it. Welcome back into
0: the Angry Quarterbacks podcast. I'm Richard Skinner from Local 12 and Local12.com with the real quarterback, the quarterback whisperer. Tony Pike, tell yes. people who you whisper, whisper to and where they, you whisper to them at.
1: We're all over the place. Uh, Cincy QB Academy. Right now, you can find all the information there. Uh, we've had a good playoffs. We got uh, our boy Paul Kramer at Newcastle still, got Cale along. Herget, still rolling Beach along. Can still rolling along? Beachwood uh, still rolling along. Connor Kinnett at Harrison. Connor Kinnett, we getting to the regional along. finals there. Uh, so Matthew Reevy at St. X. Just uh, they lost to Elder this week, but had a great year. Good performance, great year. Uh, we've been all over the map. Uh, Garrett Unit at, at uh, Lawrenceburg. That's right, yep, had a great season. Year. Come to an end this yep. year. Uh, this week we've had Brody Reader at Little Miami, had a great year. So we've had some good stuff happen, and, uh, and hopefully a couple of these quarterbacks can uh, can
0: make a little bit more of a run and, and finish off the season. Yep, we'll talk a little bit of high school football coming up next segment. For now, it's college football. Let's start with the UC Bearcats. You were on hand at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa uh, before 533 people, I believe. Yep. To see UC slosh its way to a another late three-point victory, Um you mentioned before that game, and it's it's pretty well documented. You see, for whatever reason, on the road right now, just isn't clicking. We're no. all out to beat South Florida. We're all out to beat East Carolina. Didn't play great. Still beat Houston by 15, but it wasn't a great—it didn't feel like a 15-point win in that game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Temple, Temple comes up this week. Memphis is still on the docket on the road. Is it good maybe that, that that they face a temple team that they're gonna have to be fully focused and engaged to win before Memphis?
1: Yeah, I think one of the, the biggest problems for this team right now is matching intensity. I think teams come out when you're when you're in the position that UC's in. Last year they they snuck up on some people. This year they're not. This year they're getting everyone's best and, and I think they've struggled um, to to get motiv- not not to get motivated, but to match intensity early. It's tough on the road in college football. It is. You have a seven o'clock game. You
0: sit at the hotel all day. You lounge around. Well, you you make your trip on a Friday night, right. a Friday late day. You yep. get a little walk through in, yeah, and then you're sitting around sitting all in a dumb- hotel.
1: Yeah, you can come out a little flat. the The worrisome thing to me is the inconsistencies on the offensive side of the ball, because Temple defensively is a good football mm-hmm. team. Memphis on both sides of the ball. Like you can't score 17 against Memphis and win, especially you, on the road. Right. You have to be able to put up a lot of points. So, for this team, offensively the inconsistencies are too much right now. And and I look and at a team in college football, in today's college football, they had 46 yards of offense at halftime. Wow. Going into the last drive of the game, they had 37 passing yards. That's
2: 37 incredible
1: passing yard. Teams get that on the first series of most games. Yep. I watched Derek Carthu for 101 yards on a series. Like 37, 37 passing yards through the course of a game. Now, they hit a big third and 11 first down on a curl route, and then Mike Warren took a behind-the-line screen pass 30 yards. It, and it they, inflates the numbers. Right, they, but I mean, you're still under 100 yards passing right. in a football game. Um, we We resorted to a team on second long and third long that runs draws, that runs the ball. And I don't know. Des Ritter was taken off in the first half, taken to the locker room, had his right shoulder looked at. Coach Fickle said he was healthy, said he's going to be fine going forward. But if that's the case, are you zero confidence in Des Ritter right now? Because whether it's the shoulder or not, he was second-guessing some reads. He didn't want to turn the ball loose. He was late to reads. He could have had three or four interceptions himself, um, that play from Des Ritter won't win this week against Temple, and, and it, it won't win won't, next week yeah. uh, next week against Memphis.
0: Now, the flip side, let me play the Devil's Advocate role of, mm-hmm. you mentioned it's tough to go on the road and win, Yeah, and, and they've done they're it. They're 9-1. And, yeah, and they're 9-1, and, and you get the win over Temple, and it really just comes down to, well, it's going to come down to two games probably, right. but it, it comes down to this, the Memphis game, to put you in that position, and you've seen this team enough to know it's good enough to go win that game. So right. while there are flaws, you've and, and, seen it, and it's Marshall. Leg- yeah, it's legit to talk UCF. about the flaws. They've been able to overcome those a lot of times this year. The only when they couldn't overcome it, they were overmatched against Ohio State, right. as yeah. everybody else. Every is. other
1: team has been. Ohio State's eighteen point favorites with it's a ten crazy. against Penn State. Crazy. Like that's that's where they're at. Um, but no, to this team's credit, and a lot of it is Marcus Freeman's credit, what they do defensively. A lot of it goes to Michael Warren and Jared Doakes and Josiah Aguara, who have been three horses on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Josiah Aguara getting invited to the Senior Bowl, yeah, he just got which invited, is, last, yeah, which is Monday awesome. Night. So yep. um, the identity of this team is clear, and it's it's those two running backs, it's the offensive line, and it's the tight end play. For this team to get to a New Year's Six bowl, Des Ritter has to be that fourth piece.
0: And it basically you you tell him you got three games for us to do it. Yes, Temple, because smooth or Temple.
1: Memphis, and maybe Memphis yeah, again. Because what you're going to see, and it's it's not rocket science at this point, you're going to see seven, eight guys in the box from here on out. And it's going to be, if you want to beat us, beat us down
0: the field. All right, I'm going to play another devil's advocate here. So, with as good as this defense has played for the most part, other than East Carolina, and then when you start to look at it, that East Carolina offense is mm-hmm. pretty damn good. Um Are you in that vein, and I'm going to call it the Kentucky vein, the Eddie Grand vein, of we're just going to run it because we're going to get us our 230, we're going to milk clock, our defense is going to hold the other team to 13 to 17 points, and that's going to be enough for us to win as long as we don't turn it over. Are they in that vein? I think in certain games they can be in that vein. I think
1: in certain games against a UConn and against a USF who offensively is terrible, you can be in that. You cannot openly go into a game like Memphis and say we're going to hold them to 10 points. You can't go in and say we'll, we'll hold them to seventeen. Right. Though you have to score those games, and I think this was a game where Mike Denbrock and the offense wanted to get that confidence because you see, okay, Temple good defense, Memphis we got to score. That's kind of the last chance before those games to say, okay, we feel pretty good about ourselves. And instead, because the talk before the game, we're out of it with more questions than right. we had going in. The talk before the game was we got to start fast offensively. We got to jump on these guys early, and you didn't do that. It took you scratching and clawing all the way back in the fourth quarter it took a south florida kicker missing four field goals to walk out of there with those hopes still alive yet at the end of the day those hopes still are alive they went into halftime like like i said 46 total yards it was 10 nothing it felt like it was 35 nothing right right they they found a way to win a game that they shouldn't have won on the road and you give them credit for that you give them credit for being 9 and 1 But those performances do not win the next two games.
0: Yeah, and I think that's that's a fair statement to make. Um, All right, let's talk uh, college football playoffs. In the Ohio State Buckeyes, um, Buckeyes rolling along, beating an overmatched Rutgers team. They did not cover. Maybe that's the upset of the week is the fact that Ohio State didn't cover that game against Rutgers. The college football playoff uh, rankings will come out again on Tuesday night after we've done this podcast. But let's go ahead and do ours. I think it's pretty pretty. I think LSU is going to be number one, but I do believe after next week. If Ohio State beats Penn State as we expect, I think Ohio State goes back to number 1. Mm-hmm. Yay or nay? I, I, think Absolutely. The, I think this week it's still LSU, right? LSU won, Ohio State 2, Clemson yeah. 3, and then we can argue after that. But LSU defense was void. Very void. I but guess. they also rolled up 700 yards Right, of now,
1: but that's the same thing Ohio State can do every week.
0: Yeah, So, but Ohio State can get, I think Ohio State, we, we've talked about this, Ohio State is clearly the most complete yes. team. They can pass it, they can run it. They can stop the run, they can rush the passer, they can stop the pass. They've been haunted
1: by their schedule has not been nearly as good as LSU's. Yeah, but Uh but they've
0: dismantled that schedule. But at the same
1: time, uh, LSU has Arkansas this coming week. That's going to be ugly. Ohio State has Penn State. You
0: beat Penn State, you do it handily, you're back in number 1. Yes, and then as well as Michigan is playing right now, I think that will be more of a challenge than it was a month ago. Yeah. But you handle Michigan as well as Michigan's playing, and I think you solidify that spot. Yeah, I, I just still don't. I don't think Michigan
1: has enough. I. I, I watch them offensively, and I, I don't see how you can.
0: I do think they're can, playing a whole lot better than they were when they when they got dismantled by Wisconsin. It looked like they were in for a seven and
1: five year. But again, it, it's like you're. We just talked about you see with Memphis. You're not going to hold Ohio State to seventeen points. Well, yeah, yeah. you got to score, yeah. and Ohio State has the defense that LSU. Doesn't possess.
0: Uh, it feels like we're going to get to that LSU-Ohio State-Clemson portion of it, and those three are going to yep. be almost a given to get in. And number 4 is going to be interesting, because Georgia is still very much in play. Georgia goes to the SEC Championship game and beats LSU. Right. Georgia's well, in, Then it's, in. it's a matter of LSU if it's in. Alabama still sits there with, with the one loss. They have to go to Auburn mm-hmm. um, and and play. I don't know. Is it on the road? Yeah, I think it is at Auburn. Um, And they'll have to do it with Mac Jones, a backup quarterback, who's gotten a start this year and played, right. played pretty well. But then the, the Pac-12 now has come into play with Very Oregon and Utah. Now Oregon, though, that one loss came to Auburn, mm-hmm. and it would be hard for me if Alabama were to go beat Auburn. Right. And Alabama sits with a loss. Oregon sits with a loss. How you take Oregon over Alabama? know, I think I think we got I think we got a lot of questions still
1: out there. I think for Oregon, Auburn has to beat Bama. Yeah. Which, uh, yes. Would you look at that game? Gus Malzone probably coaching for his job. Probably. Um, no, Tua. That's a game that Auburn could win. That's, that's always a close game. Uh, but Oregon's playing really well right now. Utah's playing really well. I mean, Oklahoma, I know they're way on the, the outside. I think the Big
0: 12's on the odd, odd,
1: yeah. odd train out but again. I, but, but what they did, being down 28-3. It was a great comeback. Uh, Jalen Hurts doing it without his best receiver. A great comeback. But uh, I think things have, things have and they will clear themselves out. Obviously, Minnesota and their bubble burst.
0: Um, but they still got a chance to get back to the well, Big Ten yes. Championship game and beat Ohio yeah. State, though. I don't think obviously, they will. But obviously,
1: the bubble burst for Baylor, uh, things like that. So I think it'll play itself out. But I, I think at the end of the day, I think out of those teams outside looking in, Oregon has the best chance to steal that number four
0: spot. All right. I know I'm I'm, I'm pissing in the wind here. I literally mean that. Um, we are at that stage of the Pac-12 could be out again. Mm-hmm. The Big Twelve could be out. Yep. So you would have probably the SEC with two as we sit here. Right. At what point does that then force a change in the college football playoff format to where all five conference champions get in and then three at large become I think it, the, I way, think the way be, to go?
1: I think it would be better time than ever because I think I, I would be a proponent of it. I would too. I think it needs to happen. And again, if you're keeping two of those power five, quote unquote, power five conferences out, out? then you have to. Yeah, I, I think you do too. I mean, it, it, my question is, of those powerhouse teams
0: we're labeling, which one of those falls to the Cotton Bowl against the Bearcats? I so saw one last. You're going to laugh at this. I always look because I'm always looking for where Kentucky might go bowl projection wise, right? And Kentucky yeah. moved a step closer by beating Vandy. They've got a they've got mm-hmm. a OVC team this week that gets them to six They're going wins. Going to Gasparilla against UC. That's that's who they had. Yeah, UC, going to the yeah. Gasparilla against Louisiana Tech. So I want you to think about this year. Let's let's say they beat Temple. Yeah. which is probably fair. They're home. They're favored. And lose to Memphis. That's probably fair because I mm-hmm. think Memphis honestly is probably the better team. I really yeah. do. I know UC fans. I'm sorry for that, but I do think Memphis. And I think
1: I I wouldn't be surprised to see Memphis jump them tonight in the standings.
0: Uh, yeah, maybe, uh, I mean, maybe. I, I very well think. You All right, so say let, that. let's say so. So at that rate, you'd finish ten and two. Mm-hmm. And your reward for ten and two with your two losses would be to Memphis, which would have one loss and be playing in a New Year's Bowl, and the other one would be to a team that's going to be in the College Football Playoff in Ohio State. Yeah. And your reward, thanks to the American Athletic Conference's great bowl ties. Mm-hmm. Gasparilla. Would be the Gasparilla Bowl against you? Ready for it? Ready? Who I saw, Louisiana Tech.
1: Yeah. Well, they'd win a bowl game.
0: Wouldn't that be just awesome? They'd win the bowl game. Now, last year you at least got to play Virginia Tech. Yeah. Um, from a bowl. Power Five yep. conference, and 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 you know at least say, hey, we beat a team from a power. That that would be a complete letdown to me. Yeah. It really would. No, absolutely. Um, that. They- it, it's it's interesting because the the bowl
1: projections projections can be all over the place. Yeah, they can. I, and I, but um, but I, I you but know, no, I, I look but, at the but same the, stuff but, and you but the, wonder. But the
0: ties for the American are just terrible.
1: Yeah, it's not. It, it's not. Are, it's, they still
0: have a tie to the Belk Bowl. Yeah. Do they? But but is that like a little? Why why would the Gasparilla be better if you see as the second best team at this point? Why would the Gasparilla? I don't know if
1: they take what their the draws would be. I don't know if they take location. I don't know how that works how, out. Uh, all I know. Is we want Bama.
0: <laughs> let's see no where, Tua, we want Bama. Let's see where they got Bama right now projected. They've Go got the ba- They've got Bama. Actually, right now the Cotton Bowl has a projection of Memphis, Florida. Hmm. They got Bama going against Virginia in the Orange Bowl. Huh. How about that? Huh. Let's see where they got UC. They got UC this week. Let's see. This is the latest. Yeah, they got Kentucky to the Liberty Bowl to play TCU. Congratulations. Uh they got actually uh Miami. They got Miami playing one of the last bowl games. January 6th, Mobile Bowl against UL Lafayette. Look at that. Miami making a New Year's Bowl. They've clinched the Mac East, baby. Yep. They're in the Mac title game. So they're going to be playing for a for a Mac Get Action. Get you some action. All right, UC is projected to be playing in the Gasparilla Bowl still against Whoa. Louisiana Tech. There we go. There it is. Man, oh, Where's man. Where's that at? Oh, Tampa? Yeah, sure. That well, sounds let's get fine. Let's go back to All Raymond right. James. for a big crowd. Oh. Aye, aye, aye. All right. We've talked Bengals in the NFL. We've talked some college football. Let's talk a little high school football next. It's the Angry Quarterbacks podcast from the James Rapine Memorial Studio and your friends at ESP Media. When choosing a law firm, experience counts as well as empathy and personal attention. Since
1: 1986, the dedicated team of attorneys and staff at Fox & Fox have shared a passion for winning and aggressively fighting to obtain justice our clients deserve. But victory is not the only driving force at Fox and Fox. We also measure our success by the well-being of the people we serve. Call 513-961-6644 today or contact us online at foxfoxlaw.com for a free initial consultation regarding workers' compensation, Social Security disability, or criminal law.
2: Get the Skinny on Cincinnati Sports with Richard Skinner only on Local12.com and the Local12 News app. Exclusive content, in-depth analysis, podcasts, and more. Cincinnati Sports News 24-7. Get the Skinny only on Local12.com and the Local12 News app. Romualdo has been helping men,
1: and now women, look their best for over 50 years. Established in 1968 by Master Taylor Romualdo in the quaint community of Madeira, Ohio, Romualdo has become a Cincinnati staple for authentic menswear, bespoke garments, and Old World Tailoring. Gathering national recognition while staying true to their goal of delivering exceptional products with unparalleled service, Romaldo is truly a destination for any style-minded individual. Located at 7121 Miami Avenue in the heart of Madeira, Romaldo is more than just a suit shop. Stop in for anything from denim and t-shirts to sport coats, sweaters, grooming products, and much more. As we approach the holidays, Romaldo is your one-stop shop for the best gifts for the men and women in your life. Centrally located just 15 minutes from downtown, 10 minutes from Hyde Park, and a quick jaunt from Mason, Romaldo, suited for the everyday man. 7121 Miami Avenue in Madeira.
2: Are you looking to produce your own podcast? ESP Media has state-of-the-art audio and video production studios available for you. Our studio rental rates are the most competitive in town. Contact us today at sales at ESPmediaSN.com or 513-655-4966. That's 513-655-4966. It's your podcast. We just produce it.
0: Welcome back in to segment number three of the Angry Quarterbacks podcast. I'm Richard Skinner from Local 12 and Local12.com with the real quarterback, Tony Pike. We talk Bengals in the NFL, where we, again, Tony and I go down the Malays. We we always start that segment with such high hopes of discussion, yep. and it always winds itself back to hating the front office. Yes. <laughs> that's where we've, that's where it's we've gone It's crazy to. how that go- went. Had uh, some conversation on UC, college football, the college football playoff rankings, and uh, looked at some bowl projections. Now time to talk some high school football, where we are winding down very quickly. We are... In the regional championship games, which is technically the state quarterfinal round, if you will. Let's start in Ohio. We'll wind our way to Kentucky. There's no one left in Indiana. We mentioned that at the top of the podcast with Lawrenceburg going out last week. Another great season, though, for Ryan Kaniga and Lawrenceburg. Another great season for East Central, which ended the week before that. So let's go to Ohio. We're in Division I, Region 4. On Friday night, it'll be Elder 10-2, the number 4 seed. Colerain, the number 3 seed, 11-1. They'll play at Mason Dwyer Field in Atrium Stadium. And... I think when we we looked at, at this region I think we shook it down to the four teams that were the final four uh the way it was with Fairfield yeah. and X being the other two Fairfield being the 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 one seed and and uh, or yeah Fairfield being the one seed and, and X being the two or rather X being the two seed fair X being the one seed there I'll get go. this right at some point during, X go. being the one seed and Fairfield the two and I think if you play this 50 times you'd get each one of them would win it yeah. eight to ten times. But yeah. here we are with the three and the and the four. And two very deserving teams. Right. Um, Elder was the number one team in our local 12 poll almost all season long until basically they lost it for a week. Again, X took it over. They took it back from X. And then Covcath wound up being number one. Colerain kind of, to me, no pun intended because they're Cardinals, flew under the radar a yeah. little bit just because they lost a bunch. New head coach. Uh, lost early to St. X and it kind of yep. put them to the wayside, were never really dominant. Had a couple of scares in the GMC games even. Yeah. Mason had them beat the next-to-last game of the regular season. Had them beat. I mean, literally yeah. had them beat. Never never
1: really dominant, and all the talk
0: preseason was Fairfield and Princeton. Yep. Yet here we are. Yep, here we are we with Coleraine again in the regional championship game. All right, so l- let's go to this. It's such an interesting matchup because Coleraine wants to run the football mm-hmm. and stop the run, and Elder wants to run the football, and – I don't know how well they stopped the run. Yeah. It feels like a good matchup for Rain. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I think, and Rain I believe, is out with a player that was in a car accident. Yes, yes, yes. Which
0: is, a, you know, you're glad
1: he's all right and glad he's, he's trying to be at the game. But um, what I watched from Elder, I think Doug Ramsey is a creative genius. Ah, he's a great guy. Co- um, he, he's
0: he's beating you with passing teams. He's beating right. you with running teams. He's beating you with a mixture of all. teams. He's beating you with, with under man teams yep. and he's done it across many, many years. Yeah. I, I, and, and, and these two teams, and he's a reading guy. Yeah. These but two that, teams that, know that, each that, other. That means something.
1: Yes, absolutely. But they know each other. It's not the first time I've right. ever seen the the triple option. Uh, those coaches probably know the best type of game plan to try to, because they've had the game plan against the team it. to yeah. prepare for it. So uh, it's, it's different on that sense and again i i think this is a year that if you can jump out early if you're elder and you force that pressure then maybe we see a team that 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 wasn't dominant all year kind of resort back to that but if if colrain gets up early and they're riding this wave of confidence then again colrain could very well easily win this game but i like i like what elder has up front they got linemen that are going to play at high, high division, division 1 play one, and they have a tight end playing at a high division 1 school Joe Royer. um Matthew Lee, uh, was it, uh, Luby? Luby? Yes, Matthew, Matthew Luby, Libby the quarterback. Quarterback uh, had a seventy-yard run with under two minutes last week to to give his team the lead. So they can beat you in a bunch of different ways. Luby can throw the ball as well. Uh, I think that's where Elder has the advantage. And and like so many times in this year and this type of football.
0: They can run the ball, but if they need to, they can throw the ball. And Colrain really can't. No, that, they, they, that's still the bugaboo for them, yeah. and that seems like it comes to the sticking point when push comes to shove in the playoffs. It, it just as, as much as as Elders relied on that ground game, and having watched Colrain two times this year, while they don't have the dominant guys, they do what Cole, when you watch a Colrain team, and honestly, X probably more than any other GCL team. And no offense, this includes Elder. Saint X and Colerain are two of the best tackling teams yep. I watch on any level. And I mean that. Yep. I mean, high school football, a lot of times, you know this. You get any good running, that's why running backs, you look at them and right. they're so good. You get any good running back in space, yep. and they either run through a tackle or make you miss a tackle. Mm-hmm. Colerain and, and elder guys, or Coleraine and St. X guys, right. they don't, they right don't miss. They yep. just you, they're on you and you're down to the ground. And that's where Colerain to me just feels like a good matchup for them against a run-oriented Elder team. Yeah. Um, I'm not here to predict that Corey's going to win. It just feels like a good matchup for them. It, to me, I, I,
1: think good match, I think it's a good matchup both ways. I think it's going to be a great game and, and, and a great finish to, to
0: this area. No doubt. All right, in Division 2, Region 8, this is also on Friday night. It'll be played at Lakota West High School. The number one seed, LaSalle, 10 and 2, taking on the number three seed, Harrison. Harrison, 11 and 1. It's only lost this year in overtime to, uh, to East Central. Um, had a great year, and they've yep. th- very deserving to we where know, they are. I think we
1: helped out a lot of that. It did with their fall sport preview. show.
0: Yes, I think we helped a ton with yeah. that. I think we set the table for that. We, we set we, the tone. You know, we talked about them needing to run the ball a little bit yep. more and better. So I think we set the tone. This is no knock because Harrison deserves everything they've gotten, and and I hope they enjoy the moment. And you know, maybe they pull the upset. It would feel like a monumental upset yeah. just because of the schedule strength of both.
1: Yeah, and and the way LaSalle's playing right now. Yeah, they're what, they're a machine yeah, right what now. What they've done the last two weeks. Um, and again, Harrison can I think what, six touchdowns last week. Yep. Uh, I mean, they are, they are riding his arm. He's got a huge arm. He can make any throw. Uh, but for Harrison to win this game, you've got to find a way to get some type of defensive stops and you got to find a way to possess the ball a little bit. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're going to try to come out and throw it 60 times against LaSalle with their secondary, you're going to have problems. You got to find a way to be as balanced as possible. Uh, whether that's a running game whether that's Kinnett running a little bit to give yourself a chance but again
0: the thing if I'm Harrison though and maybe I, I don't I don't know if I sell this as a coach because you're always looking at that game yeah but I'd almost sell it of listen we get through these guys the door comes wide open boys right we got we got a complete your, shot to take, you, take this thing to the distance yeah yep um, I think that's the way I would I would sell it to my guys but I do think it's a monumental task for them to beat LaSalle yeah
1: I, st- I still think
0: there's question marks with LaSalle offensively. If they get behind if, and, they, yeah. and, and are forced to have to throw right. to come back, I just don't I don't see them not having success on the ground. Yeah, I just I'm, don't.
1: I'm with you. But, I mean, again, great season for Harrison. Um, hope that they can, you know, if, if they pull the upset, again, you, they give themselves a chance to a great win it chance. all. But uh, LaSalle in great position again with, with Pat McLaughlin to make a run at another state championship. No doubt.
0: And also on Friday Night but Because because, because? Wynton Woods did not make the playoffs. There's that. There's still that. There's that. I think that's when everybody just to put that out. Though. I think that's when everybody in Division Two thought the door was open yes. to win it all. Winton Woods is not there. Yeah, all right. Division Three, Region Twelve, Hamilton-Baden kind of got off to a slow start this year, and they are playing extremely well. They're the four seed, nine and three. Now they will take on a Trotwood madison team that's also nine and three. They wind up as the seven seed. This game will be at Miamisburg High School. Trotwood madison is not a seven seed, people. Trotwood no. madison is really, really good. Bad seeding. <laughs> yeah, that's one. That Bad just... seeding will will hinder Hamilton-Baden yeah, Exactly. All right, in Division 6, we have no teams left. We move to Saturday. The only game left among area teams is in Division 4, Region 16. I'll have the broadcast right here on ESP Media on Saturday night from Princeton High School. It'll be 12-0 Wyoming against 10-2 and Valley View, the one seed versus the seven seed. It's just hard to see a Wyoming team, which over the last two you know, we all talk about Evan Prater, Evan Prater, Evan Prater, Evan Prater, Evan Prater and mm-hmm. with good reason because Evan Prater is really good. But their defense, I think, is what separates Wyoming. They are just really so good, good defensively. defensively that, you know what, all you need, and this, I'm serious about this, you need Evan Prater to make two big plays a game. And he makes way more than that, as we right. know. But really, all you need when it comes to this time of year is, Evan, make us two big plays, and our defense will hold them to... Seven or less, right. and at the very least, we'll win a game fourteen to seven. I just don't. I don't see anybody even being close to Wyoming. I don't in this. Either. I think they just run away with it. And they've certainly done no, that to this to point.
1: State champions.
0: Exactly. All right. Let's move to Kentucky. These are regional championship games, which are akin to the state quarterfinal round in Class A. 10-2 Newport Central Catholic will play at 10-2 and 2 Louisville Holy Cross on Friday at 7-30. Newcath has kind of rolled things as the season's gone along yeah. and playing really well. Our guy Paul Kramer having a great year at quarterback. They've gotten Caleb Jefferson back from injury. They're they're pretty healthy. So, um, I-, I talked to some people with Newcath. They think this is kind of the biggest maybe right. stumbling block of all along the, of the way. So, yep. uh, a tough ta- task for Newcath. but certainly one that is winnable. In class 2A, Walton-Verona will play. They're 8 and 4. They'll play at Undefeated Breathitt County on Friday night at 7:30 and Beachwood 7 and 5 will host West Carter 9 and 3. By the way, these games were determined the matchups at this level were determined by RPI. Mm-hmm. So they're using the RPI from from the semis on and they are actually kind of doing it geographically. The best teams left in what would be the east portion of the state, the best teams left in the west, and they're matching them up based on RPI. Uh, so that's why Beachwood at 7 and 5 is hosting. Beachwood obviously played a very difficult sc- schedule. I think prepared them for this. In a year that's considered a rebuilding year for Beachwood, it looks like they are almost a shoe in to get to at least the state semis. Yeah. It's pretty incredible to yep. me.
1: That's a, uh, a statement on what that program has become. Statement on on in Kentucky utilizing a schedule to, to get you get ready, ready. Yeah. for down the stretch and 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 they do it and and like most teams that make a run, they got a great quarterback in in Cam Hergett that that is able to to kind of you know, calm the seas a little bit when, when things get a little crazy and possess the ball
0: and, and go get points on the board. Right, in class 4A, Scott's got a monumental task on its hand. 8-4, and four, they play it undefeated, and I mean dominant, Boyle County, 12-0. That'll be very tough for Scott, but they've gotten to the state quarterfinals. Thing is, this Scott program went almost, my gosh, three decades before really turning things around. And they have become a consistent playoff uh, success story over the last few years. Not gotten a state title, but certainly had some success in the playoffs. And in Class 5A, pity poor Madison Southern, 7-5. and 5. Mm. They play at Covington Catholic on Friday good night. Season. Good season. Good Madison season, Madison Southern. Enjoy, good season. Enjoy the trip up to northern Kentucky. Mad Sud, good season. <laughs> yep. And finally, we get in Class 6A, 8-4. and 4, Simon Kenton will play at 8-4. and 4, Tates Creek at 7-30. Tates Creek, the higher RPI-rated team. That's why they have the home game. But Simon Kenton has has gotten better, I think, at times as the season's gone along. So a chance for Jeff Marksberry's crew to get to the state semis. All right, there we go. That's uh, NFL, college, high school football. Tony, any final great thoughts of wisdom from your Reading and UC brain? No. UC, bring it on Saturday night. 7 o'clock. Must win. At the NIP. Must win. NIP at night. And it may not be the final home game this year. Depending on how things go out in the AAC. May they not. may host the championship game. NIP at night. NIP at night. I like it. All I right. don't want to have to go back to back weeks to Memphis. Yeah, that, well, yeah, are you sure about that? Well, the first week I'm I'm going to spend Thanksgiving night down there, so not really. Yeah, Thanksgiving night on Beale Street isn't awful though. That's true. But you're away from your bride for the first time yeah. as a married couple. No and family, no bride. So, no so here's Thanksgiving the thing: Turkey. So should be
1: Mo and I sitting
0: at at a
1: Denny's at a, Denny's, at a, at a Denny's eating process eating processed Denny. turkey, yeah.
0: bad mashed potatoes, and some yep. greasy corn. Yep. Sounds like a lot of fun. Tony, appreciate it as always. Our thanks to executive producer Rob Ebel for Tony Pike. I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Weekly Angry Quarterbacks Podcast from the James Rapine Memorial Studio and friends at ESPN.